go. I'm not going to preach with this on. Will's going to turn this little light on. It's a little bit dark and shadowy on the uh, Zoom. I'm glad you guys are here. It's very good to be back in the house of the Lord together physically with everybody. All this setup is kind of odd, but uh, it's okay. We're glad to be, be together again. I'll make a, oops, don't get too close to that thing. There we go. Let me, uh, I'm going to read the scripture, the scripture reading. We're going to move to uh, a, a series this summer called The Seven Letters to the Seven Churches. And it's a study of Revelation chapters 1 through 3. Um, and we'll see that uh, the, the letter of Revelation is to the church, the whole church, and also uh, the seven particular churches that are mentioned. Is this, kind of, this is an odd sound. Is that just because of this thing too? Maybe it is. You guys okay? You can hear okay? All right. Uh, but the seven churches that are mentioned in chapters two and three, he gives particular, he addresses, Jesus addresses them particularly. And we're going to look at that, um, those particular churches being addressed, uh, one, each one of the seven for seven weeks. But we're, today we're going to look at the whole letter that's written to the church by Christ. Let me read uh, the first 11 verses of chapter one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show to his bondservants the things which soon, must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads these, uh, who reads, and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the, his faithful, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker, and the tribulation and kingdom and, and uh, perseverance with, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a, the sound of a trumpet, saying, write in a book what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. This is the word of the Lord. I'm struggling a little bit because I'm not used to hearing these sounds in my little office and things are very different. It's a very different setup and structure. So as uh, I, you know, I kind of worked myself into like, okay, this is what it sounds like to, to preach live again. Uh, in 1979, during a cruise to Hawaii, John and Dorothy Peckham wrote notes. They placed them in a bottle and they tossed them overboard. And in the notes, they, they asked that whoever found the message to get in contact with them 
and they put a dollar bill in each of the two bottles to cover the cost of the postage for the reply. Four years later in 1983, uh, the Peckhams got a response from Van Nugan, a former soldier in the Vietnamese army, saying that he and his younger brother had found one of the bottles while floating off the coast of Thailand in an attempt to escape the communist regime in Vietnam. The Peckhams exchanged letters with Van Oy, and when Van Oy asked the couple could, could they help his family move to the United States, uh, the Peckhams worked with the U.S. Immigration Services and they made it happen. Amazing story, and a true story. And oh, how we need such a life-changing message today. In, in a day that's filled with pandemics and protests and justices and oppressions, hardships and heartache, distress and unrest of all sorts, we need a clear and present word of hope that will set us aright and will calm our troubled breast. Today we start a summer series that brings such a message. Jesus' letters to the, to the church in the book of Revelation is a clear and present word that brings life-altering hope and understanding into our present chaos and into our present darkness. As we begin, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for our time that, together. Thank you for gathering your church together. Uh, many physically here and many still through Zoom and other platforms, we thank you for those. Father, thank you for, for keeping us unified during the COVID um, crisis and, and still keeping us unified, your body, and we thank you for it. Father, would you open our eyes today to behold wonderful things and wondrous things uh, from, from your letter in the book of Revelation, things that apply to us even today. In Jesus' name, amen. The book, The Message of Revelation, is written to the churches for this very purpose, uh, to bring hope and understanding into the chaos of our world. And we live in a time of great chaos, as you know. The book is addressed to the churches and specifically to seven churches in, in the Asian area that are mentioned. And today we're going to simply look at the whole book. Um, yeah, the whole book of Revelation in one day, an introduction. And next week we're going to look at the Lord of the church in chapter 1. And then we're going to look at each of the addresses that Jesus addresses to each of the seven particular churches in chapters 2 and 3 in the following seven weeks. So it'll be nine weeks that we'll be in this uh, uh, section of scripture. So the big picture of things is often what, what helps us to understand things aright. And so today we're going to focus on the big picture, kind of the main things that Jesus gives us and tells us in his letter to Revelation. As we do, uh, we're going to look at a few different things. We're going to look at um, the, the, how, how the Apostle John, the human author of, of this letter, how he got the letter, got the information, and how he brought the message of Revelation to you and to me and to the churches, and that's the method of the message. After we do that, we're going to look at the message itself, and then we're going to see the purpose of the message, or uh, we, we could say the meaning of the message, and lastly, how, how the message applies to us. It's for us. It's not just uh, for them, and it's not just for future folks. At the end of time, the book of Revelation and the letter of Revelation is for you and I today to help us uh, order the chaos that is in our world. So first, the method of the message. Jesus said to John in verse 9, he says, write this down. So the, the message then is from Jesus. John looks back to see who's, who's speaking to him, and he sees, and we're going to see this really clearly next week because we're going to look at that text, but he sees that it's Jesus. So, so the message is, is from Jesus, and the message is also about Jesus. So when we say it's a revelation of Jesus, we're saying two things. It's a revelation from him, and it's a revelation that's all about him. And uh, so we said that we need, need a clear and present word to help order our chaos. 
And you might think, so we're going to turn to the book of Revelation for a clear and present word? And I say, absolutely, yes. And can it possibly be understood? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, the title is Revelation. It's there to reveal things, to make things clearer, uh, not to confuse them. Um, it's a clarifying message. And in fact, this message can really be summarized in one sentence. Yeah, I'm going to summarize the whole book of Revelation in one sentence, and I think we can do a pretty accurate job in doing it. God rules history, all of it, and he will bring it to its victorious consummation in Christ. When we talk, the consummation is a, a, a marriage word, and in consummation, it, it's cons, con, cons, consuming or consummating uh, the marriage vows and, and the sexual intercourse that the couple has after they've made those vows and they say, this is the, the highlight. It's kind of everything's now finalized and coming to an end. But consummation means much more than that. It's actually the beginning of it all. And so the book of Revelation uh, is, um, can be summarized by God rules all of history, and he'll bring it to its victorious consummation, its, its victorious end and beginning in Jesus. Uh, the first verses are there to show us this point. It's for unveiling and, and revealing and uncovering how things really are. Um, have you, kids, I want you guys to listen real quick. Have you ever heard of Name That Tune? It's an old TV show. So you probably haven't heard of that. So let me explain. What they did is they would say, I can name that tune in five notes. I can name that tune in three notes. And they finally said, okay, if you can name that tune in three notes, you try it. And then they tried to name that tune. I'm going to have you guys try to name a tune in five notes. What is that song? Happy birthday song. You got it in five notes. Uh, we just uh, said we, we summarized the whole book of Revelation in one sentence. I think we can summarize the whole book of Revelation in one note, in one simple word. Most of you know that word. Many of you are wearing that word. It's Nike, and we say it in English, what? Nike. That word is a Greek word, and that's where the company Nike got it from. It's a Greek word that means victorious or victory. It means triumphant or triumph. And I think that we can uh, summarize the whole book of Revelation and that word that appears all through the book, that Jesus is the triumphant lamb. So the message of Revelation is a message of victory, the, the triumph of the lamb. And therefore, it's the victory of all those who are in and identified with Christ. If we, if we take as our starting point, if you've ever read the book of Revelation, and I would ask that, but I'm afraid that I'll get many people who haven't read it all the way through, but um, if we take as our starting point things in the book, like what, are, what does the locust mean? What about their, their, their weird, you know, like teeth? What do they symbolize? And, and are they helicopters? Or, you know, what's that bear? Is that, is that China or is that Russia? I don't know. Things are changed. Maybe it's Russia. If we, if we take that kind of thinking as our starting point and ignore the big picture, we're going to lose everything that God intended for us to gain from it. It's going to be confusing rather than enlightening and, and revealing. God himself is at the center of the book of Revelation. His work, his ways, and we must start with him, and we must see uh, all that's against him. And we can start understanding what's going on in our world and what's behind things. We don't want to become too uh, entrenched in the details because the details are there to point us to the big picture of that Jesus wins. Um, and uh, I, I read one commentator wrote this, and I, his name is Vern Poitras. Some of you know him. He's an amazing writer. He's not, no longer with us. But he said, this is what we, when we read the book of Revelation, 
this is how we can summarize it. We praise the Lord. This is actually, I got a screen for this one. So let's, uh, I got it. Yeah, there we go. We, we praise the Lord. We cheer the saints. We detest the beast. And we long for the final victory. And to that, I think we could add, and we worship the king. So if we read the book of Revelation, Test. No, it's, it's gone. It's gonna. The main purpose of the book is to comfort the church in this battle against the, the forces. In it, we're going to see several things, and I have a couple more slides here, PowerPoints. It says, God, God in, in the book of Revelation, we see that God sees the tears of his people. God sees our, our cries. He sees our tears. He sees our struggles. He sees our discouragement. In chapter 21, verse 4, he says this, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will, be no, there will no longer be any death. And there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. There will no longer be any pandemic. There will never be uh, no longer any, any uh, tensions between races. God's going to take care of all those things. That's what's going on behind the scene because the first things have passed away. Only new things come. So God hears the, the, the tear, or sees the tears of the saints. He also hears the prayers of the saints. He hears us when we're crying out to him. Chapter 8, verses 3 and 4 says this, Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censure, and much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with, together with, the prayers of the saints went up before God and out of the angel's hand. So our prayers, the prayers of the saints, God hears them, and he responds to them. And he, and he fights the enemies, our enemies and his enemies, because of them. God hears our cries, and even though it doesn't seem like he answers immediately, sometimes he, he listens, they come before him over and over again, and he works off those things. The, the death of the saints are precious to him in the book, chapter 14, verse 13. And I, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors for their deeds will follow them. For, for the saints, the death is not final. For the saints, the death is true rest. It's true life. Good news. 
uh, in the book, The Victory is Assured, the, our, our king, the king of the saints, will reign forever. He will govern the world for the interests of his people. And he will come again, and he'll take them to the marriage feast of the Lamb right at the very end of the, of the book. As we see the battles, hear the promises, consider the truths in this letter, we, we, we realize something, that Jesus Christ is here now with us through the battles. He's among us, and we see clearly that the victory is ours. So what kind of book is it? First of all, we've mentioned it's a letter. It's a letter from Jesus, by the way of the Apostle John, to us, to God's church. Uh, it's all about real-life situations and real circumstances, and we're going to see a lot of those in the coming weeks uh, in the, as he addresses the seven churches. As we approach the book, we, we must see that it's writing about things that was soon to take place. So that was written in the first century. It, it was written for, for them because things that were taking place, soon to take place. So that means it's not just all about the end times, it's about their situation at their times. It's not a world, the, the, the book of Revelation is not a world that's far, far away from you and me. A lot of times we read it as a book that's far, far away, but it's not far away in the past, and it's not far away in the future. It speaks to the past. It, it spoke to those that day as things that will soon take place. It's about future things, but it's about you. It, it's for you, and it's for me now, and it's about the things that are going on now. Um, but, but it's more than just a, a letter. It's also a prophecy. It, and when we talk about prophecy, it, we talk about prophecy as things like, I'm going to predict the future. And sometimes we say he's a prophet, meaning he's speaking authoritatively the truth. And the book of Revelation is not so much a prediction of the future as a proclamation of what it will be. I think that's pretty important. It's not so much a prediction of the future as much as a proclamation of the future. Not so much a predicting the end as presenting the end, how it will be. I was meeting uh, for marriage counseling this past week, and the bride-to-be, who might be on the Zoom call uh, today, probably is, I'm not going to point her out, but that doesn't leave a whole lot of room for guessing who it is, but she was telling me how she liked to read books. Actually, her fiancé was telling me how she likes to read books, and I said, that's exactly what my wife likes to do, and, and then that, that's they read the end of the chapters first. They read the end of the story because they're like, I'm not going to take a book up that's really, really long and get to the very end and say, oh, that's awful. I want to make sure it's worth the read. Now, I'm not going to tell you how you should read books. I don't read books that way. But I will tell you this. If you know the end of the story, you're going to live now differently, considerably differently, because you know the end one way or the other, right? And that's what the book of Revelation does for you and, and for me. It tells us the, the, the end of the story. Um, tells us if it's worth reading. Thirdly, it's also apocalyptic. So it's a, a, a literature that in Scripture is called apocalyptic, and as such, it's, it's for the purpose of revealing the things that are, that are going to be, how things are and how things are going to be. It, it's to uncover things, not conceal things. It, it's to reveal things, not to hide things. So we read the book of Revelation, and we're like, man, I can't, I can't understand this stuff. But we're supposed to read the book of Revelation and say, ah, that's what's going on behind the pandemic. And that's what, that's what God is doing in the battles of the enemies. That's what's going on in, in the, the racial reconciliation problems and all that. that. God's at work and all that stuff. I'm starting to see that. It's, it's a message to reveal and uncover and help us understand what God is, is doing. 
um, it, it's not a code book about secret things that if I just get these things right, I'm going to understand what's going to happen. It's not, it's not a code. Looking at it that way creates all kinds of speculations. You've read and heard all kinds of speculations about the letter of Revelation and what it means. There are parts of the Bible that are not meant to be taken literally, but they are meant to be looked at in the context of the whole Bible. And so we got to be really careful. Not everything that you say is to be taken literally. If we, if we said that, you know, um, you always, oh, I didn't really mean you always do that, or you never do that. We've got to be really careful, but there's things in the Bible that's not to be taken literally, and, and, but we do need to take them in the context of the whole Bible. We're to look at where do these things in the letter of Revelation, where do they appear in other scriptures? Let's look at those. Are they clarifying to help us understand? This letter to the church is meant to, to unveil, to reveal the things um, that, that aren't as they seem. Th throughout the book, Jesus is shown to be the victorious one. And in the book, it says these are the things he conquers. He conquers death, Hades, the grave, the dragon, the beast, the false prophets, and everyone that's on that side of him. He conquers them all. Uh, apocalyptic literature uses vivid symbolism, and it uses vivid symbolism not to hide things, you know, God doesn't write these things that are so, whoa, these dramatic-looking and vivid pictures to hide things, but they help us to understand things that we simply couldn't put into any other words. Like, we couldn't put them into any other words, so he shows us a picture. He shows us the real life of what's behind uh, the scenes from a, from a heavenly perspective. It's also, uh, it's also a picture book. I remember when I was young, I, like, I used to love just picture books, really good picture books. Yeah, they're easy. And it's not a puzzle book. It's not meant to be a puzzle that you're trying to like, how does that fit? Are we in chapter 13 today? Or do you think we're moving to like chapter 14? In our... It's not that kind of book. It's not why it was written, although that's the way it's used. It's a picture book, and we're not trying to find the hidden words and crossword puzzles. It's a book, a picture book, you could say this. A picture is worth what? A thousand words. A lot of times that's true. Sometimes it's not. You know, Instagram, there's a lot of pictures, and they're always just the things that are cool and good most of the time, so you miss some of the words behind them. But a picture's worth an awful lot. Um, and when we can't describe the language and our language can't get at it, sometimes a picture's the best thing we can do to, to point us to what's going on behind the scenes. So uh, it's really a book of poetry, and, and that's, that stirs up an emotion deep within us. And, and Revelation is a, and a, it's immersing us into what really is, not so much teaching us the details of how things are going to happen. It's immersing us in, in the conflict and the battles and the victory of, of our Lord. So that's the method of the message. The second thing is, what is the message? What's in it? Um, I have, uh, we'll just briefly, this is a good outline, really, really a, a really good quick outline of the book of Revelation. In the first three chapters, Christ is in the midst of the seven churches. Christ is there. He's with them. And then verses, uh, chapters 4 through 7 is the vision of heaven and the seven seals. Then 8 through 11 is the seven trumpets. Uh, chapters 12 through 14 is the cosmic conflict of, of evil and, uh, against the Lord and his people. And then there's this little break and there's seven bowls of wrath. And then he goes back in chapters 19, 17 through 19 to the cosmic conflict again. And then the great consummation, the marriage feast of the Lamb in chapters 20 through 22. Uh, the message there is a progression, but, but it's not a chronological progression. 
many people try to think, well, I think that we're living in between chapters 12 and 13, or I think we're getting pretty close to chapters like 17 through 19. Jesus is about ready to come back. And they, they look at it as, well, it, but it is a progression, but it's a progression of intensity. And, and I don't want you to put the two things together. It's not just a progression of intensity uh, along with a, a progression in time. The intensity is, is kind of showing us what's going on and, and then really showing us and really saying, and then, and then really gripping us and like, God is in control of this and there is war and there is battle and it is evil, but God is the victor. So it's a, it's a progression like that, not a chronological, but intensity. And in it, we have this seeming paradox. Uh, all the way through, the death of the lamb is what brings us victory. What a paradox. There, in it, we, we read more sevens. We've already talked about some sevens, right? To that, we can add seven churches, seven lampstands, seven angels, seven stars, seven seals, seven bowls, seven trumpets, seven plagues, seven uh, thunders. That's just a little bit of the list. And the point is all those sevens don't point to a specific history, but what they do is they give us the reality of all history, of all time. That means it's for us today, too. In Revelation, Jesus Christ himself, he, he gives us a letter that's kind of like has motion picture involved with it. It's, it's a written letter, and as we read it, man, our minds are filled with moving parts and motion pictures and that describe how things not really look, but how things really are beyond what they look like. So part of the very point is to show that things aren't as they appear. That should be good news for you and me. We look at, and things appear to be like, man, our, our culture's tanking, our, our country's tanking, things are getting terrible, everybody's disunified, and the book of Revelation is meant for you and for me to bring us back to our senses to say that's not what's going on beyond the scenes. Something more is there, God's at work. Also a, a major part of the book is uh, uh, symbolisms, and uh, in the book of Revelation, numbers count. Numbers matter. Numbers, God uses numbers to teach us. The book of numbers that we try to skip over, he uses that to teach us, and real numbers, uh, he, try, he, he teaches us things too in the message. Uh, the number seven appears 54 times, and we read a lot of them, right? To those, we can add these, seven eyes, seven horns, seven mountains, seven kings, so there's a lot, a lot of sevens, right? In the, in the Bible, seven indicates like the complete number. Once seven happens, it's kind of like that's the complete number. Um, another number, that, there's a lot of them. I could go through three, four, seven, 12, 10,000, and 144,000. Those come to mind. They're used all the way through there. But let's just hit two more, 10,000. We, we sing, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul. And the name of that song is what? 10,000 Reasons. And what they mean, the 10,000 is used in scripture to mean like, man, there's just so many, you can't even really number them. 10,000 reasons. And then uh, the number 144, 144,000. The book of Revelation says there's gonna be 144,000 people saved. If that was meant to be actual, I would just quit preaching because I wouldn't make it in, you know? If the hope was only the 144, people believe that. But, but what, what is like, you know, 12 times 12 is 144. And 12 is the 12 tribes. I really believe this is uh, something that God is getting at. He's like, God says, I'm gonna save every single person who's mine. I'm not gonna, there's not gonna one be lost. That's real consistent with John 17. I'm gonna save them all through the trials and the evils and the conflicts and the problems. I'm gonna get them all to heaven. 
And that's what he says, and that's what that, that means, 144,000. Our, our call to worship, we quoted uh, Revelation chapter 7. In Revelation chapter 7, we quoted a, a text that says that God himself is going to, what? He's going to save people from what? Every tribe and tongue and nation. That, that, my friend, speaks to the situation that our world is in right now. That speaks to Black Lives Matter. That speaks to the protests. That speaks to all those things. Um, that, that's some of the things that are in there. What are a few things that are, that are not, uh, not in there? Well, what it's not is this. The book of Revelation is not a hodgepodge of unrelated visions and stories or fantasies. It's a systematic picture, and it's a unified picture, as we read it, of how things really are. It's a message that shows that Jesus Christ is among us going, as we're going through these problems. Uh, there are real conflicts between the church and, and the evil one and all that are behind the church and with the church and all that are behind the evil one. Uh, that those uh, who go against Christ and his church, that's us, they're going to lose, regardless of how it looks like now. They might look like they're winning, but if we read the book of Revelation, they don't win. You and I win if we're in Christ. And, and regardless of how things seem, in the midst of the conflict, the victory will be Christ and his people's. The message of the, Revelation, of the book of Revelation is not a new message. It has 418 verses in it. And, out of, and in the 418 verses, it refers to other verses, mostly Old Testament and the Gospels, 500 times in 418 verses. It's not a, a new message. Um, its, symboli its symbolism is, is all over the Bible. Uh, we can say lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. But the lions and tigers and bears that are, we find in the book of Revelation are the same lions and tigers and bears that the Lord has used in the Old Testament and other places in Scripture to, to show us other things. Um, what, what is it then? It's a message about Christ, the person and work of Jesus. It's the same message of, as all the rest of the Bible. It's about him, Jesus and his triumph, his victory, by him, for him, and from him are all things. If we read it and understand uh, the book of Revelation and the big picture, it'll transform you and me and everything that we're going through, our assumptions, our fears, our worries, how you make sense of all the things that are going on. That I've gotten text after text after text from church body and from students. Like, I, I'm, I'm struggling putting these thoughts together. Book of, Revelation's help, book of Revelation helps us do that. So, so that's, the, um, that's the method, that's the message, and now the meaning of the message and the applications of it. First of the meaning of the message and application is we're to see the world as it really is, what's really going on, what's really happening. If you ask people over here, they would say, this is what's really happening, and over here, that's what's really happening, and you guys, that's what's really happening, and you guys, no, this is what's really happening. And I literally mean in this particular room where we all have a lot of agreement. And we, you know, we, we sat around a table at a Bible study on Wednesday morning with people that have the same theology, and we were talking about the, the, all the tensions, the racial tensions and the other things that are going on, and there was like 12 people, and there was like 10 takes on it. Two people didn't talk. That's the, the reason there was only 10 takes. And, um, but, but the meaning of the message is to see what's really going on in our world. John receives a series of visions meant to open your eyes and my eyes to what's really going on in the world to show us that, that, uh, that a complete, that, to show us the complete kingship and majesty of God, um, to show us that, that uh, there is real spiritual warfare. It's really going on, to, to see God's hatred and awe and judgment of evil and all that oppose him, and to see the sure outcome of the war. I was watching 2020, it's probably been six or seven years ago, 
And the story was where uh, a wife had taken the kid away from the husband and fled the country to a country that uh, very rarely expedites, or expedite, ex, what's the word? E huh? Extradite, what? I can't, I don't know that word. Extradite, okay. And, and so they're like, okay, I'm gonna be able to keep my kid here, my husband will never get him, and, and yet, uh, in this case, it was the husband that should have had the right to the kid, and, and he was fighting it, and he was fighting it for seven years, day after day after day, and the reporter went to him and, and asked him, um, you know, how can you keep on going? And, and the, the father said, I, I get up each and every day, and I say, will this be the day that I give up? Will this be the day that I give in? Uh, and so day after day after day, I say, not today, not today, not today. And, and as good as that is, as Christians, we have so many more reasons than sheer determination uh, to keep on keeping on. We read this book and we have every kind of reason to keep on through the hardships and the frustrations and the confusions of life. Another uh, meaning of the message is to see the contrast of Christ and the foe. Um, it's like the city, the, the foe is the city of man. When we try to build up our own selves, our own cities, make our own way, and over here is the city of God. It's two different realms and two different cities. And the book of Revelation helps us to see the difference between the city of man and the city of God. What's interesting is the trumpets. The trumpets sound a, a loud voice of warning. Sometimes a trumpets sound warning of what's coming. Sometimes they declare oh, the king is coming, right? They, they can declare judgment and, and, and bad things, and they can declare good things. And we have the trumpet sounding in the book of Revelation in regards to the city of man. And we look back to the Old Testament and we hear, when do we know about trumpets in the, in the number seven? Jericho, right? The city of man, the godless city. Uh, trumpets sound, they, they march around it once and they blow trumpets and, and the next day once and blow trumpets on the seventh day, they march around it and, and they blow the trumpets and it's wiped out. The city of God, the city of man is destroyed and the city of God comes. And that's what we have in the book of Revelation, uh, the difference between the city of man as it gives way to the city of God and the new heavens and the new earth. All through it, we have a contrast between the lamb and the beast. It goes on and touches on the, the morality, the, the purities, the actions, the aesthetics of how we see things, um, the singleness of heart. There's a contrast between the lamb and his people and, and between the beast and his people. The meaning of the message also shows us uh, the sovereignty of God in all things. Uh, through the book, through the letter, the depiction of the great conflict of spiritual warfare is there. Revelation points us to an exceedingly important truth. This is this. This is it. God is in control. He's in control through COVID. He's in control through the, uh, all the, the looting and, and, and then all the, the proper protests. He, he's in control of all the things with the, uh, racial uh, problems and issues and conflicts. He's in control of it all. Not, not just the general outline of history, not just its beginning and its end, but all the conflicts in between. The book of Revelation says he's in control of all those details. And, and he even does that. He even controls his, his foes and their work to ultimately glorify him and work to his pleasure and purpose. That's amazing. He's doing that today. Um, the Lord brings beauty out of ashes. Although we can't comprehend it, God's power and God's goodness are both absolute. His power and his goodness. Satan and his agents, to be sure, have an impressive power. We see them working all around us. The warfare is definitely real. The battle is bloody, uh, but the victory is sure. That's the letter that the churches get. So we read it, and we read this in the text that we read in our um, opening, that the one who reads it and hears it and sees it and takes the message to heart 
is blessed. Man, the book of Revelation is, is practical. <laughs> and we skip it all the time because we think it's talking about some other time in the future. And there's a few people that think about it's talking about just in the past. But the book of Revelation is a, a, is a message to you and a message uh, to me. Um, certainly, we're going to read its end, and we still may be terrified in the middle, uh, but, but we're not going to be destroyed by the stuff in the middle because we know how it ends. We have a teacher's guide. Have you guys ever had a teacher's book? I remember one time my accounting teacher in, in high school, like uh, I was in the accounting competition class, and she would give me her like teacher's book and tell me to take the test. And I was like, That's, is that right? Yeah. Well, you need to you know, think, uh, so anyway, I had the teacher's edition and, and the encouragement to like, you can use what you need. I'm like, hmm. Oh. But that's what God does do. Right or wrong back then, it's right here. God wants you to have the teacher's edition. He wants you to look at the back of the book. He wants you to look at the answer key and see how it all ends. And he wants you to live differently because you know it. And you and I have been given that. That's what the book of Revelation really is. It's an open book test. He wants you to be in the book, right? It really does. It's the only way we can make sense of what's going on in our world. Uh, today, the foes are intent on destroying you and me through various trials and conflicts and um, actions. But those circumstances have been ordered and ordained by our King and our God for different purposes. Uh, for purposes of to thrust us on our need for Jesus and, to, and, our, and draw us closer to him. And, and then our response in, in helping point one another to, to the answer key. To, to Jesus. The meaning of the message is to be captivated by the gospel. John was captivated by the visions that he, that he saw, and, and he means for you and me to be captivated and wondered by the things that are going on. And I have to ask myself, and I ask you, have you wrapped yourself in different wonders other than the gospel and what's going on? Have you, have you tried Jesus to try to get some other kind of wonder? If you have, you've got it backwards. When we come to Jesus, it says in the text that we read in chapter 1 that he's freed us from our sins by his blood that is the wonder of all wonders. That's what's amazing beyond anything, that he set us free from our sins by his blood. We, we study this portion of Revelation, and, and I hope that we're going to be wrapped in the wonder and, and move to this, the next meaning of the message to worship. That's what happened to John. John heard Jesus, saw Jesus, heard some of the message, and he fell down as a dead man to worship the Lord. That's meant for us. Have you guys ever heard of Magic Eye? It's, it's a, a series of prints that you would look at the print in 2D and you had to stare at it in such a way that you finally focused and you saw a 3D picture jumped out at you. you guys, anybody do that? Some of you did. It's like, there's a fox there. It's like, that's not a fox. That's like nothing. And you're like, oh, there is a fox there. Well, that's what the book of Revelation is. It's like you look at the surface of things and you look long enough like, ah, oh, Jesus is working in the, in the most difficult and hard situations. I see Jesus there and every story and every every circumstance, every book of the Bible. Um, he's the one that makes sense of all of history. Visions do inform us. But the visions that we see in the book of Revelation should not just inform us, they should invoke a response in us to move us, create wonder and action. Revelation is not another world. It's John's world. And it's not another world. It's our world seen from a heavenly perspective. And he wants us to see and understand that the battles... Are, are real, but the victory is all around us, and it's real too. So you might be like John. He was put off in the island of Patmos by himself, deserted. You might feel deserted. You might feel like I'm, I'm struggling with making sense of the things that are around us, questioning the current events of our time. 
um, questioning the people that are in uh, leadership in our government. You might say, is God really in control? Is he really sovereign? How can you believe his promises? We need a word from the Lord. And brothers and sisters, revelation is a word from the Lord. It helps us through all those things. He's given you and me today letters to the church. It's a word of encouragement, hope, joy, understanding, peace, comfort, and truth. And the message is really simple, and yet it's profound. It's simple, and it profoundly impacts every single thing that you and I do. We, we do suffer uh, as one who lives in this world because this world has not just the imprint of our king and our creator, it also has the imprint of this, the first Adam and his sin. It's everywhere. In, in the letter of Revelation, there's bold colors and there's vivid and, and clear and bright images. We meet animals and creatures of all types. We see terrifying battles and terrifying conflicts. We meet the beast and the dreadful dragon. We will be seduced by prostitutes. We will be met by terrors of thunder and lightning and earthquakes. And it'll make the pandemic seem like it's like a birthday party. But there's a but. But in, it, in this letter, we also will be introduced to a lamb. And he'll fight our battles. And though he's slain, his very act of being slain frees you and me from our sin. He will go up against the prostitute, battle the beast, crush the dragon. His roar will be the roar of a great lion, and the victory is assured. And we're guaranteed to hear day after day after day words of the Hallelujah Chorus. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. Let the troubles come. And may we find the paradox of Revelation is real. The, the lamb who was slain is the lamb who reigns. What are your foes? Come to the lamb who was slain to deal a death blow to those foes. No matter how many, no matter how fierce they cry out against you. And may we end with worshiping at his feet. Last little thing I want to mention. It says when we read this that Jesus came to John on the Lord's day. He said, on the Lord's day, I became in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice of a trumpet. On the Lord's day is pretty important. We gather on the Lord's day. And I think that part of what's being said there is all the, the, the voices of Monday through Saturday that's going on in our world, man, they create chaos and conflict and darkness and issues that we can't figure out and then on the Lord's Day, we hear reality of what's really going on. And we, and we read it in the scriptures. And we come to the Lord's Day to, to help make sense through that truth of God's truth, help make sense of all the other days of chaos and, and darkness. Jesus Christ confronted John on the Lord's Day. Filled with the Spirit, he was enabled to understand all the other things. Psalm 73, 16 says this. When I came into the sanctuary of God, then I understood... And I think I need to take just one second, and we're literally right at the very end of this. And um, I, I don't think it could be any more appropriate to be talking about this big picture message of God's victory uh, and, and the letter being for us when we're trying to make sense of the racial tensions that are going on. And like I said, if you have 12 people, you'll have at least 10 different views of what's going on. And I had a student uh, text me and he said, uh, how do I respond to all these other people that are telling me there's no systemic racism in our country? And he was coming from the view that 
it's everywhere. It's systemic. Systemic means it's, it's everywhere. It's part of our system. It's not just in a little area, but it's deeply rooted. He's like, what do I do? And I'm thinking, well, and uh, I think that this little text is informed by the book of Revelation. It says this, we, we thank the Lord that, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit specifically about uh, racial reconciliation or racial tensions for a minute. There's all kinds of reconciliation that needs to happen. But we thank the Lord that today racial tensions are less systematic than they once were. I think we could say that, and we thank the Lord for that. And we need to pray to the Lord that in future years they'll be less systematic and widespread than they are today. And we praise the Lord that in his economy and in his purposes, racial tensions have no place. And we praise the Lord that one day we'll find no trace of them. They won't remain because God will take care of it, right? Those are all true. So uh, for the Lord's people, I, I pray that we would labor to bring about the future hopes to bear on our current relationships and situations, that we would be all about reconciling men and women, like it says in Revelation 7, of every tongue and tribe and nation to the Lord so that we can be really reconciled as one body and one group. And I'll say this, the root of the problem of racial tensions is sin. The, root of the reason we have it is sin. That's the root of the problem. But the remedy of the problem is the gospel. So it's a sin issue, but the remedy is a gospel issue. Not just listening a little more or whatever, it's a gospel issue. We need to be transformed by Jesus. The message, it says that uh, the loud voice, like a, like a sound of a trumpet, and we mentioned this already, that the trumpet can sound in, in great warning, um, we hear the blast when there's a, I don't know if you guys have been close enough to one of those big horns in Anderson County that go off when there's going to be a tornado, but you can hear them blasting. Or, um, then they, they also announce the coming of a great king. And, and, and Jesus, he kind of, it says that he speaks like, like the trumpets, with, and, and he says that he does this with authority and power and, and majesty. And, and, the, and those trumpets they blast, and there was a song by an author that I really used to like, and people make fun of me because he's so old. Uh, but in, in Michael Card's song, uh, Jubilee, he says this, uh, to be so completely guilty, given over to despair, we look into our Savior's face and see, we look into our judge's face and see a Savior there. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament, uh, after seven years, uh, or seven times of seven years, 49 total years, the 50th year, the very next year, was the year of Jubilee. And what happened at the year of Jubilee, if you owed people money, if you owed them a debt, it was all wiped out, it was all forgiven, and you were freed of all that stuff. And in Jesus, we, we get that. In Revelation 22:17, 17, um, we'll end with this. All the way through the book of Revelation, we see that the evil one and his followers, they try to imitate Jesus and his followers, not because they want to imitate him, but because they want to deceive us. But you and I are called to imitate him, to know him and to imitate him. And in Revelation 22, 17, there's a great imitation. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost come. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the words that you've given through your letter. Word that, words and a letter that is meant to um, unveil and 
and reveal what's really going on behind the scenes. Father, to show us the end of all things, to show us that you will one day right all that's wrong. You will wipe out all the injustices and oppressions. And Father, I pray that your people would pray that that day would come quickly and in the meantime that we would labor and work to, to image that desire and that, that truth of, of what one day will be. In our relationships here as the body of Christ, may we love one another in the Lord, may we show one another Christ, may we work to be ministers of reconciliation. You've given us, your people, that ministry. Not, not to reconcile one another just to be reconciled in some generic way, but you call us to, to call other people to be reconciled to the Lord himself, the creator himself. And so, Father, I pray that we would be all about that. Father, in our, in our striving and struggling to make sense of pandemics and politics, and Father, in our struggle to make sense of protests and looting, and our struggle to make sense of racial tensions that are, that are here and have been. Father, I pray that you would show us Jesus and that the victory is yours. Father, may we live in that light. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.